On this episode of the Michigan State of Sports, the Pistons and Blake Griffin appear to be heading for a divorce. Will it be a mutually beneficial one? We discuss that. And who is the next face of Detroit sports? That's all next on the Michigan State of Sports. Welcome in. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Whatever you're listening to the Michigan State of Sports. So glad to have you along. Jake Ritma with Tony Garcia. Tony, the snow is coming down. What's up, brother? It is. It really is. They were going to have us work from home uh, tomorrow or like they're telling some of us to do it, but I'm still going to go into the office company. What a guy. Work comes first. That's right. You're, now you're going to go to the office. You're going to bring your hard hat. You're gonna you're gonna put your boots on, tie them up, grab your lunch pail, and get the bleep to work because that's what you do, Tony Garcia. First one in, last what's up, last one out. That's what we gotta do. <laughs> what, God, what, if no, only that was half in, true. In business school, that's a uh, first one in, last one out. That's the Philo, I think. You know, I, I don't always, I don't use my undergrad business education from the prestigious Northwood University enough, but I remember FIFO, first in, first out, dif- different inventory systems here. But you and I both are first one in, last one out kind of guy. Try to be as best as best we can. But seriously, glad glad to do another Michigan State of Sports. Glad to have everybody along. And we got a lot to get to. We got a lot to get to. Blake Griffin and the Pistons may be heading for He's a 5 0 guy. I thought. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Sorry, I He's cut you off midstream. And no, I was just gonna say he absolutely is a Philo guy, but I it's just one more, it's the right thing. It needs to happen. Of course, we're going to get more into it and everything. It, it definitely needs to happen. And I think it can be mutually beneficial. Um, but it's, it's still, I mean, it's like a breakup. You know, I, I liked Blake Griffin, but I didn't agree with the trade. That was one of my bad takes that we got into last week, which I hope everybody enjoyed those, by the way. I know it's it's pointless to go back into a previous podcast episode because not everybody might have listened to that one. But discussing how wrong I am at multiple things on multiple levels is, is always enjoyable. So I enjoyed that. I, I had a great time too. And honestly, it made me feel like I had company because like I've had some very bad takes <laughs> and to see that I'm not the only one with the terrible takes uh, it is certainly good. And that was the only one of yours that I thought was like, okay, I actually disagreed with that at the time, but right. Right. You had some, you had the ability to think objectively and I just am some big fanboy over here. Well, we got Blake Griffin, but Tony, before we dive into it, I mentioned the snow. I'm looking out my window in my beautiful one bedroom duplex. I don't like the apartment thing. It is a duplex people much, much more classy, much classier. And the snow is coming down. Tell them, tell them how I can get some help. If I hope you got I hope you have A2 cutting edge cutting edge landscaping at a2cuttingedge.com. I hope you got them now because if you don't, it is too late. I know Joe and his team are literally outside right now doing some honest work, cleaning up the, the yards, the the driveways, the sidewalks and with that 24-hour snow and ice removal that we've always talked about, uh, a2cuttingedge.com is where you can go to get a consultation so uh, I'd log on right now. I know the snow's still going to be up there when you're listening first thing in the morning. So make sure you reach out to Joe and say, Hey, get my yard next. I got a question about this. Does, and Joe's your guy. He's our guy. He's the Michigan state of sports. guy. Does he root for 
for snow like this? I mean, it's it, it, seriously, it's a, it's a curious question. I don't think there's a wrong or right answer because it's, it's, I mean, business is business, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some days he does, some days he doesn't. I'll just ask him next time, but he probably wants it on Monday through Thursday. And then if it could not snow on weekends, that way he can have his weekend. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that's what I would feel. No doubt about that. But all right, Tony, we're going to begin with the Pistons news that broke on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. Love is no longer in the air. Also, <laughs> President's Day, a, a strange, silly holiday that's necessary for the corporate uh, work calendar. My eight months I lasted in corporate life, I appreciated those types of paid holidays. But President's Day, and it was announced, all, all different um, platforms, accounts, whatever it may be, it's pretty much official that the Pistons and Blake Griffin have entered the conversation about Blake Griffin's future and he will no longer play until that is resolved. And what are we talking here? Trades, a buyout, all kinds of possibilities. But the main thing is Blake Griffin and his time in a Pistons uniform coming to an end. Yeah. It feels like that a buyout is probably going to weigh this is going to be the way this is going to go. But I just want to like step back and think about what this represents in the, in the grander scheme, because Blake Griffin is kind of a microcosm of what the Pistons have been the last 10 to 12 years. I mean, not just the injuries and the time, how there's been potential, but then he can never sort of maximize it because he can't stay on the court. I'm talking about just when he was acquired, it was still part of this, oh, we're going to keep going for it. We're going to keep going for it. The window's open. We can get into the playoffs in the East. And then now it is the full acceptance, which already started at the beginning of Troy Weaver's tenure, that this is it. We are everything. We are tearing it down to the studs and rebuilding. Burn it to up. the ground. Burn it to the ground. They need and they, they have. And like the quotes, what, what Dwayne Casey has said in the, in the hours after this became public, it's exactly what you want to hear. Like they're not even doing the coach. They're like, yeah, well, I mean, we spoke with Blake and he knows the direction we're going in. We know where he's at in his career. We want to give him a chance. I mean, it's the exact same thing as Matthew Stafford with, with less pedigree in the city. Um, but, it, but Casey was like, you know, we got to let Sadiq Bey play. He's, he's got to get more time. Who has been on fire, by the way, the reigning Eastern Conference player of the week. Just the second rookie to win a player of the week award since carl anthony towns i saw that today sadiq bay who would well, he lit it up the other night what he felt like he, yeah it felt like he had 43 pointers the other yeah. night but real quick back to the the blake Griffin thing i couldn't agree with you more more about the the stafford comparison because what do we say the whole time benefit both sides and i think we have the potential here with blake as well because i mean truth be told his body's falling apart on him i mean and that's, that's obvious. That's clear as day. I can see it. You can see it. Anybody that watches basketball can see it, but that doesn't take away the fact that he gave his heart and soul to Detroit, similar to Stafford. I mean, he, he gave his heart and soul, became one with the community and Blake Griffin did the exact same thing. And there were a lot of great Blake Griffin moments. And to your credit, to your point, you felt like when the trade was made, go back to when was that in the winter of 2017, I think, right. Yep, I, I could be no man. Yeah. 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 And when the trade was made, it didn't look great for Pistons fans because it was, it did signal that we're still going for it. And what were we going for? An eight seed to get swept in the first round time and time again. But that, 
I don't know. It's not like Blake asked to come to Detroit and he still made it a point to be, to embrace the opportunity, embrace the city and embrace what it meant to be a member of the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And I mean, I think we need to give Blake Griffin all the credit that he is due because a, I would say, I mean, while he was a completely different player than the guy he was uh, with the Clippers, even when he was healthy with the Pistons, I mean, he, he transformed his game completely. You could say that he had the best year of his career, which very well might end up being a Hall of Fame career. I mean, there is a there is an argument to be made that Blake Griffin will be a Hall of Famer someday. And he's going to be remembered as a Clipper, but arguably, arguably his best season ever came with the Pistons in that first year. He was averaging like 25 points, seven and a half rebounds, a little over five assists. I mean, he was a warrior for, for that year that he was able to play 75 games. And you mentioned it. He did not ask to come to Detroit. I mean... We all love Detroit. It's very near and dear to our, our heart. It is our city. We're passionate about it. No but. one has ever wanted to move from Los Angeles to Detroit ever. Right. That has never happened once. And he no. and he had to do it. And oh, and I remember they were so bad. They were like six games under five hundred. It was the middle of the winter. It was right around this time, actually, when it happened. In if I remember correctly in, in 2017. No, it was, it was February. It was definitely February because I remember when the trade happened and where I was, but to your point with, with Blake Griffin, that, that first year, um, and this is, this is great job by us is the, the few things we came prepared with were these numbers because I got them on my phone as well. 24 and a half points, seven and a half boards, five, 5.4 5.4 assists. I mean, and, and again, it was a different Blake Griffin than what you saw, but he, he evolved his game, even as, as injuries and, you know, the physical components started to dictate what he could do on the court. He still did everything he could to be a valuable asset for, for this business. Team. And he was a, a superstar without the superstars mentality. Like he wasn't quite superstar player level, although he was a top 15 player that one solid solid season with the Pistons but he was a superstar in the spotlight I mean with the commercials and the Los Angeles and the comedy like this is like a personable dude who never big timed a city that he was spending what is often I mean 28 to 31 he's 30 he's only 31 his body feels like he's like 36 like those are often prime prime years of an NBA career and he spent them in Detroit just wasting away and he and he never complained once and he was great. He was great with the media. He was great with, and I think that also one point I wanted to get into, I don't know if it's a, a seamless transition, but I think the future for Blake Griffin is so far beyond the NBA. I think he could totally get into, I mean, you hear him on pardon my take the Blake of the year stuff. I think it's hilarious. And he has that comedic delivery. If it's something like on Saturday night live, when whatever it may be, I think Blake Griffin is destined for even bigger things beyond his NBA playing career and in entertainment and something of that matter. And more than even probably even more than just broadcasting, because I mean, all due respect, no offense, we're in it. And, and Blake Griffin on the mic would be a hell of a lot more compelling than us, but I think he's got bigger things ahead because he's I'm, I'm man crushing out on Blake Griffin right now, which is fine because he's been one of my favorite players in this dark, dark era of Detroit sports. And one of the few, I hate to say bright spots. Cause again, when the trade was made, we all kind of saw the writing on the wall that this wasn't going to be enough to get the Pistons to some kind of championship contending level. And that it was really delaying and kicking the can down and delaying the problem. But the, all that said, he still, it's, it's not on Blake Griffin for that. It's on upper level management that decided to trade for him. Because again, how many times do we have to say it? He didn't ask to come here, but when he did, he made the most of it. 
yeah, no, certainly. But I think we've had enough of the Blake Griffin love affair because I want to get your thoughts on what this means as far as your opinion about the Pistons, like, like Ed, Troy Weaver and all the decisions he's making. Like, do you like this? Do you think the timing is right? Or yeah, what do you think, I, yeah, yeah what that's do you actually think like, right, right, yeah. Because the, I mean, first, the... what? Sorry, geez, I keep doing this, but I'm going to keep going because I was talking over you. So also what happens? Like, do you think that they trade him? Do you think they buy it out? Yeah, the the 36, what is it? On the books for 36 million for the remainder of this year and then 39 million um, in 2021, 2022. Not great. So the the trade, the trade is tough. And, you know, insiders are going to know a lot more, more than we will. But finding a trade, it'd be a challenge. You know, I mean, you've got until March 25th, which is the trade deadline, um, but I just, it's hard to even look at a team that is, you know, contending that would want a guy like Blake Griffin, because what does he really add? Maybe, maybe some three point shooting, but again, it's kind of, I don't know for that price tag. I, I don't see a lot that I don't, I mean, if I was an NBA GM, I don't think I'd be lining up the door, lining up at the door to get Blake Griffin. No. And so that lends me to believe that it's probably going to be a buyout, which it is what it is. It's not my money. <laughs> <laughs> right and, and it just helps get back to my original question i did a horrible job of asking you a two-part question yeah are I you mean, even a journalist did you even go to northwestern I Tony? i didn't i yeah it was it was poorly done by me but so apology accepted okay. just say here's how you do in the big j business talk about and then you put the question <laughs> that is a a polarizing phrase like some people hate talk about Isn't that hilarious and, and some people no are no all, I, yeah i was being about. sorry i was being really facetious and that was just some nerd humor some journalism nerd humor because like we were chastised if we even thought yeah. of presenting a question by saying talk about yeah by the by the capital j's but the non-capital right. j's are totally fine with it you know what i mean Oh yeah, well that's why we look down upon those, those <laughs> small yeah, J they, they put that on our degrees at Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> at the Medill School of Journalism. All right, oh, sorry, sorry, oh sorry. I so, I have the ability to derail conversations, and that's exactly what's happening here. So, and I can't so, drive the two-parter. A, the first part. I can't drive a train, so I can't get us back <laughs> on course. We've we lost. Apart. We've lost all cabin pressure about ten minutes in here. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. No, all right. So it was. I don't think he's going to be traded. And the second part, what do I think happens, is the buyout. Right, but so I guess it was really a three-part question. I'll just give the answer that I have. I love this sign from Troy Weaver because I mean it. It means that we are not stopping at any point. That like he is going to continue to to keep this thing progressing and like the vision is, is clear. I mean, it was clear when he tried to get all those first round picks immediately in this draft and drafted Bay and Stewart. And when he was aggressive and paid what people thought was overpaying for Jeremy Grant, but is now turning out to be a steal and everyone wants to see what they have in, in this rookie class. And this is just another sign that anything that was the old era and was the SVG time is over and done with. And, I'm just, I'm just so happy about, about Troy Weaver. I, th yeah, I think forget SVG. And I'm so glad I'm since worked the Pelicans the other night, 123 to 112. I was happened to be in studio for that one. And it was fun to watch. I mean, the Pistons looked like a team on, I'm getting ahead of myself because emotional Jake sees one good game. It's just, Oh yeah. The rebuilds it's well, it's on its way. Here we go. Here we go. This Pistons team, they're, they're doing everything right. But 
you could make the case. I mean, they played pretty well against some good teams. I mean, you beat the Celtics and the, the resume is actually kind of interesting to look at an overtime loss to the Lakers. You, you, you beat, um, you beat the Lakers that one a couple of nights back and that you beat the 76ers, you know, there's some wins on that. You look at the schedule, you beat the nets, you look at the schedule and you think, okay, like what is going on with this Pistons team? And the Jeremy Grant factor is there. I mean, the guy's playing like a, a super or a superstar, not quite maybe an MVP level, but certainly an all-star. Yeah. I think he was number eight in the latest uh, Eastern conference vote for, for the all-star game. Mason Plumley's putting up triple doubles. Yeah, the triple double last night. Except, I mean, P- Pistons Twitter is going crazy about it. Like you've never oh, seen God. people so excited about seven and nineteen in your life. But honestly, no, but it's because, it's you said because... something that I was just going to say. You said something though. The Pistons Twitter that that is a different kind of cult. It's, I don't want to get into a, it. I don't want to throw. I don't want to throw stones because they they'll come they'll track my computer they'll find where I live and br- they'll you know I don't even want to know what would happen to me if I ever said anything bad about Pistons Twitter but I'm just gonna go on record and saying Pistons Twitter scare me because they can be an angry mob at times. You couldn't be more right about it, but I'm saying they're they're an emotional bunch and get you know you're right. I can't. I want to be very careful about what I say about Pistons Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> but. But, I mean, people are seriously excited about this team. And just my only hope and last thought before we can probably put a bow on this Pistons thing is I don't want them to win too many games accidentally. Like, they're finally trying Uh, to tank, and they're just playing the young guys. But lately, I think they're like three and four or something in their last seven, and they're actually playing good basketball. Like, they consistently play good basketball. And I don't want them to luck into some wins. Right, they've won three out of four. So let's uh, let's pump the brakes on the winning. We want those good losses, those good losses where, like the overtime loss to the Lakers, you know? Perfect. Take a lesson from it. Yeah, although it is so difficult to root. I mean, I should, I should be better about explaining this because I suck at explaining things, which is great for podcast hosts. But <laughs> it's so difficult to root for the right loss in the actual midst and thoughts and prayers to us as fans, having that identity conflict in terms of rooting for them to lose. Like when you got the game on, you you want your team to win because that's what, that's what fans do. And the rebuild quote unquote rebuild going on in between the games are great. Like we can all agree that everything that's happening, the Blake Griffin is just the latest on that. The, the moves in the off season made by Weaver, those are all great. And we're all on board with it. But then when you actually roll the ball out there and there's a scoreboard and a clock, it's just more difficult to, to root for losing. But we're all in agreement that that's what has to happen. It is. It is. And because the Pistons for so long haven't lost when you need them to lose and haven't won when you want them to win. It's just a very infuriating time. But they're starting to lose now. And as the whole purpose of this opening monologue diatribe discussion is, is is Blake Griffin is gone and I don't know if he Jake if he ever quite made it to face of the city certainly not but I mean he was the face of this franchise for like five four four years or so and that just leads to our next question and next subject I don't think there is a face of Detroit sports you know I know there is not a face of Detroit sports right now and so no there, there's some a letter of, of Detroit sports who would you say the was the of last Detroit true face of Detroit sports? It's an L. It's the letter L. 
Yes, right now the face <laughs> of Detroit sports is a, the letter L, and it's just a big dark cloud that goes around it. And yes. and don't limit it to Detroit sports. Um, just just the entire state, other than Michigan basketball. Shout out the Wolverines. How infuriating is that for you? It's a great time. I really like it. <laughs> I really like it. And I owe one of my Part buddies of reason- in the group chat a long explanation about what's going on with Michigan State because whenever Michigan football has weeks and months like this I, I make him explain his way through it every week i like that it's now my turn to to eat crow um but but who who do you think was the last face of of the city right right i think because it's such a football town and the nfl runs yep. our love for i mean the nfl runs a lot of things but Odds are if, and I know I, I drop this all the time, but if you want to get calls on the, on the radio, just start talking about the NFL and Nick Stafford I'm Nick Stafford, Matthew Stafford, <laughs> shout out my boy, Nick Stafford. <laughs> you have a buddy, Nick Stafford. Yeah, my best friend from best friend since childhood is Nick Stafford. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was I, like, how do you sorry. mess that name? Up? I, I don't know what on like, I, Oh my God, that is wild. Sorry. All right. Dial it back in here. Listeners. I'm sorry. Matthew Stafford. If I this guy, this guy says claims to know that he know and that he knows sports, and he's calling the Lions quarterback the wrong name. Matthew, former Lions quarterback, current LA Rams. Matthew Stafford. Just because I think this team, this city was so desperate for a winner, and Matthew Stafford was the closest thing you had to that. And I hate to use the term winner because that was always the biggest knock on him. But the quarterback of your NFL franchise that was a number one overall draft pick that did so much with the city and immersed himself in, in community engagement and did everything right as the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, except win playoff games and did enough to captivate the the city of Detroit. And I know the, the NFL film mic'd up from his rookie year against the Browns, but there were other moments too. There were great Stafford moments. There were some not so great Stafford moments, but because he at times was the only positive thing for the Detroit Lions franchise. I think he was the last face of the city from an athlete's perspective. Yeah, no question. No question. He was, I mean, that sort of just comes with being the quarterback of the NFL team oftentimes, but right. I mean, but outside of outside of Stafford who has had it for a decade, I was trying to go back through the last time. I think there were faces of, of each franchise and then we'll go forward and say who is the next face of each franchise and so i think for the tigers it had to be i think it was both verlander and cabrera and so cabrera is still is still the face of the tigers of course but it's not like i mean it's not the same it's not like miguel cabrera is not thought of right now as he was in 2012 and 2013 when he was winning mvps and triple or uh yeah triple crowns yeah, I was just going to say, when you win a triple crown like that, I think you're forever, you know, etched in the the face of the franchise conversation or face of the city conversation. And for a while, I do agree. I think you can have two. And for the Tigers, it was definitely you have the player or position player in Cabrera and the pitcher in Verlander. I think that's totally merited. And I mean, there were some other good faces with that Tigers team that had those runs of course there were but nothing like Cabrera and Verlander in my opinion because I honestly honestly could not pick one of them from the era like if you had to say who was the face of the of the Tigers from 20 2006 to 2016 and obviously Cabrera came in 07 
but just from the from the heyday of the Tigers, I would not be able to pick one over the other. And it's sort of the, what I feel the same way about. Although I would probably, I have one person I would lean to, is Datsuk and Zetterberg with the with the Red Wings. Like, yeah. who, which yeah, one yeah, of them yeah. was the face of the franchise? You can have. You got to take that call. Is that, is that is that Ja calling you or? Oh, I thought we weren't dropping the names. <laughs> <laughs> no all that, out of no. love brother yes all out is. of love all no, right no, no i, I think datsuk and datsuk and zetterberg for sure i mean growing up it was kind of the i mean eiserman was the captain obviously and the face of the franchise and i think ultimately that led to the the bad breakup we talk all the time about healthy divorces but the bad breakup was sergey fedorov who was my all-time favorite hockey player i i love sergey fedorov so much i made my sunday school teachers call me sergey because I wanted to be Sergey Fedorov. I would not respond to Jake. I put Sergey on my name tag for <laughs> vacation Bible school. I didn't, I had to ask how to spell it, but that, that's beside the point. But I think Sergey left because this city embraced Iserman so much and he was the captain. And then when you get his return, it's almost like right now, I think you could still say Steve Iserman is the face of the Detroit Red Wings, even as the general manager, not even as a player. And because of what uh, the success that they had, he'll always be the face of the Red Wings. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. And I, don't, I know that doesn't really help the discu- discussion for who's the next face of the Detroit Red Wings because it doesn't really bode well to say, yeah, our general manager, you know, that's, 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 who we're putting, that's who we're putting out there on the billboards and, you know, making bobbleheads of and posters because we don't have any players good enough to do that for. I mean – they're not the only ones in town with that problem. I was trying to think of right now, like I was writing down a list of who is the, the, the face of each franchise right now. And for the Pistons, it's kind of Troy Weaver. Like he represents what the Pistons are doing in the exact same way Steve Eiserman does. Although Steve Eiserman is 50 times be, beyond him because of everything he did in, in a jersey for the Red Wings. But there is, I mean, that's what this whole discussion comes from. And we should talk about, because A, we wanted to do this because Blake Griffin is leaving. But B, we saw all the faces of Houston leaving with, just in the last year, the Ro- the Rockets JJ have Watt. lost oh. Hopkins and Watt and Westbrook and Harden and soon-to-be Deshaun Watson. I mean, I mean that's, that's four or five people who would be franchise cornerstones, the, the face of a city. And Detroit has no one like that right now. Not a single person. Yeah, and I think, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, my Pistons Twitter take of the night will be Jeremy Grant will be the next face of the Detroit Pistons because of the level of success he's been able to withstand here in, in the 2021 season. But to think, I think that you can legitimately get excited about some potential Tiger faces of the of the city oh, yeah. because – and I mean, you got the five in the top 25 prospect list, but I don't know. I don't know if that's okay to go there. And it's probably too much of a leap yet without to back it up. But I, and again, because it's just been a time of losing and, and more losing in all of our sports, I'm so ready for ready to embrace somebody, but is it wrong for me to think the Casey Mize, Matt Manning is going to be the next Verlander Scherzer one, two punch. I don't. I hope you're not crazy for thinking that. Although I was gonna go with Mize and Torkelson as the Verlander 
and Verlander Cabrera. Cabrera. Okay. Of, of, I like of, that. Of, I like of, that. And, but I don't want Manning to go Scherzer and feel like he's being big timed by the Verlander and like, it'll never be his city and then leave us to go win a world series somewhere else. I don't like when that happens. Yeah, probably not great because and what I'll tell people, if you look up, because this is really interesting, especially for a podcast here. If you look up the 2019 double a eerie stats, Manning could make the argument that he's got a little bit more potential, you know, and I know we don't care about the, the, all we care about is war and whip because a, it's fun to say and B because that's what the baseball nerds tell us, but Manning and my Manning, well, Mize is going to always have the, the allure of the number one overall draft pick. But I think you could make the case that Manning might, if you're really diving into it, have a little bit more potential, especially when you combine that with some of the struggles that Mize had at the major league level in the past year. Although we can all agree that he was rushed up in the, because of the COVID season, because there was no minor league baseball and that he probably wouldn't have been in that situation had it been a regular season without the pandemic. That said, I'm still, I am all aboard both the Mize and Manning trains but especially the Manning one. I'm, I am stretched very thin with all the trains I'm aboard. I'm aboard the Mize train, the Manning train, the Scooble train, the Torkelson train, the Riley Green train. I mean, there are so many trains <laughs> to be aboard of with the Tigers. Um, but so I guess as far as the other franchises, like who is going to be the next face of the Detroit Lions? Is there, is there even any way to thought. know? I think um, our number three overall pick, Jeffrey Okuda, at a cornerback position, really did a lot of great things rookie year. And, you know, as the number three overall pick, you would assume that the Pips or the Lions would have the ability to draft that next face of the franchise. So I'm really glad, really happy with that selection. And I think Jeffrey Okuda is going to be the next Deion Sanders. And we're going to be talking about him for years and years. And maybe some some crazy company called Barstool will, will begin and Jeffrey Okuda will be on that and have his own segment because he's such a dynamic guy. <laughs> All right. A little, little bit of an exaggeration there. I'm, I'm going off the rails, which has been the theme of this entire episode. But no, obviously, Jeffrey Okuda is one of my least favorite players. And it's no, to no fault of his own, other than he wasn't really great his rookie year. And hopefully I'll be wrong about this. Like I'm wrong about so many things. And this will show up on a, my next bad take list that that was one of the worst draft picks in Lions history. I hope I'm wrong about that. But right now, that's what it looks like. Because when you take a cornerback third overall, it's got to be the next Deion Sanders, maybe the next Jalen Ramsey, if we're lucky. And I don't think he's going to be either of that so sorry that I, i'm i'm really i'm getting myself worked up the more i talk through it and poor tony's over here like this is the guy i asked to be on my podcast he's crazy oh my god but Help no somebody I, save us yeah right 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 okay jake we'll talk to you soon i'm gonna end the zoom now but in all seriousness here for a second i will try to try to put on my next face of the detroit lions hat and come up with somebody you thought maybe Kenny Galladay, but he's ah, it's, I don't think they're going to resign him because he's going to want that kind of money. I don't think he's worth it. And, and again, that just kind of grasping for what's the expression grasping for straws. Grasping I think straws. that's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. I don't know if it makes sense. Here. I don't know I what it means, but that is what the, right. that is the expression for this. Circuit. I get every expression wrong all the time. I don't think it's going to be Kenny Galladay. I don't, I just, I don't know. I, I, who do you think is going to be the next lion? That's how any good person answers the question. They just move it on to you. Yeah. No, um, I don't think there is anyone on the team. I think the Red Wings and the Pistons and, and the Lions are all in the same boat that they are st- 
they are either going down in the rebuild or they are at the bottom before they're they have the pieces that are going to take it out like the tigers very clearly have the pieces who are either going to be the guys or aren't going to be the guys but the lions just decided to start a rebuild and got rid of a face the trade's not even final yet getting rid of matthew stafford you don't get rid of a face of a franchise in an offseason and then replace him before the next draft and so i mean it's it's going to take some time the the pistons uh the guy who was supposed to be the most exciting from this draft uh killian hayes has missed the vast majority of the season and so there's no way to know what he is or isn't um with the wings i mean they're keeping a lot of the guys uh like like your boy pat caputo told us um overseas like with mo cider but he's supposed to be the next guy for, for the wings although a defenseman has never been the face of a franchise and and then uh, I'll, I'll, listen this i'm going to disagree with you because that's what a good host would do i think Lind- you could make the case lindstrom was the face of the lindstrom. franchise for a while was he though i mean he, he, he like was he was North. the bridge he was the bridge from eiserman and shanahan to datsuk and zetterberg I don't know. I don't know about that. Dude. I, no, I, no, no, no. He's a, he's a stud. He's I'm a, not a stud I'm not stud. hockey. I'm not a hockey guy enough to like pound my fist for a hockey take because anyone that knows more about hockey listening will just be pointing and laughing, which is fine because I deserve that. But I, I don't know how many Norris trophies he won, but I think he was the face of the franchise, Tony. I'm going Lindstrom face of the franchise. He, okay. He, he might've been not like, not like, not like in over Eisman or anything, but on that say on like the Mount Rushmore, if you will, of Red Wings. On the Mount Rushmore of Red Wings for the era or of all time. I mean, he's one of the four best Red Wings of all time, Nick Lindstrom. That's close. Oh boy, what did I just get myself into? I'm not thinking Eiserman, obviously Eisman, Gordy Howe. Howe are the only two oh Datsuk, Datsuk, Datsuk and Zetterberg. I don't think I think, but Lynch, <laughs> I don't know. Hockey guys. He's close. He, he's close. Me. That's a lot closer than I, than I would have thought. And Lindstrom, Lindstrom was a stud. So, okay, maybe, but I'm saying you don't see a defenseman because he was picked sixth in a couple drafts ago and say, oh yeah, he's going to be the next face of the, of the franchise. Like if he, right, if right. Not, all right. All right. That, that's, that's a place where we can agree. That's a place where we can agree. And so, so I don't, I don't see a next face of certainly not. A, I don't see a next face of the franchise and certainly not the city. Anthony Mantha not doing right it for now. you. I wanted the, I, who the I, forward I, who can't score goals. That's a him. problem. Not great. Not great. I wanted it to be Andre Athanasio just cause I yeah, loved. He was exciting. Name. No, I just like saying his name. Cause we'd always joke around Andre Athanasio. I'm happy to see you. <laughs> not great not great but kind of funny i don't know come on jake get it together andre happy to see you but no all right so we really can't name the future face of the red wings or lions pistons do we want to go jeremy grant tony (laughs) Romo, little tony romo so Shut up, Tony. So, so shut I'm, up, Tony Roman, not Tony Garcia. Go ahead, Tony. Right? Garcia. No, it, they both work. Just shut up, Tony, in general. Um, <laughs> I'm uneasy about naming Jeremy Grant the next face of the Pistons because I wonder they're not going to be good for the next three years. And are the Pistons going to re-sign him when they do get good? Like, what is so his? He's role just the play. He's just the placeholder the, for this rebuild. Yeah, he might be. 
And I mean, he, I mean, he's been great and I really like him, but Jeremy Grant is not going to be the face of the Pistons, right? Like when you think of the face of the Pistons, you think of Isaiah or Joe Dumars or Big Ben or Chauncey. Is that going to yeah, be Jeremy yeah. Grant? Is Jeremy Grant really in that same sentence? No, that's my, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. You're right. I'm wrong. I suck at this. That, that, that's my tone right now because I, you've completely convinced me. Unless, but Jeremy Grant, what he's done in a short amount of time is just overachieve and, and, and perform beyond expectations. So if that trend continues, maybe, just maybe. I mean, he has the numbers to do it, but the numbers are numbers in today's NBA are is different than what it used to be. Right? <laughs> like putting up twenty five now is not the same. Doesn't as mean the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today's NBA. Today's NBA. How many times do we hear that? Today's NBA. So, um, what does that leave us with then? That's all for no we- hope. <laughs> We're a baseball town. Our hope is in torque. Get torqued. Casey Mize, Matthew Manning. Tigers, boom, Riley Green, everybody. Just we're a baseball town, Tony. We are. We're this is gonna be a baseball podcast coming up pretty <laughs> pretty soon. I On next one, week's episode, wait. we break down Matthew Manning's whip in double A Erie in 2019. I think we could have a lot of people interested. I we wouldn't, but you and I would be so down to do it anyway. <laughs> My grandfather would listen. Shout out Papa. I'm sure he would enjoy that. Well, then maybe we should do it just just to make him happy. <laughs> To have one more listener than we have right now. No, I kid, I kid, I kid. We got, we got to name somebody though. We don't we. The next as the, the next. The Tigers, the only ones that have the next face. I mean, if we, I would go with one of the rookies for the Pistons over Jeremy Grant, just because. Hayes. Yeah, and I can't say Sadiq Bay because I can't be prisoner of the moment. I kind of. How about Isaiah Stewart? No, I mean he can't be a face of the franchise, but. He's just, he just like, I mean, this dude, everyone has a high motor, high motor, high motor. Like that's the cliche phrase of like combines and, and pre-workouts for the draft. This dude has the highest motor I've ever seen. The guy does oh, yeah. not stop running. And, and like, the, I feel like the, Stewart, the city just digs that. Oh, I was just about to say the, the Isaiah Stewart's going to be hopefully that player that the city loves and sells the most jerseys of. And very similar to a Ben Wallace that he just represented this town so well. And it it almost is emblematic of what Detroit is the Detroit versus everybody, you know, that, that whole, that whole persona is Jeremy is Isaiah Stewart, I should say. And, and beef stew, what a perfect nickname for it. I love it. And I think if he continues this, he's going to be, a, a crowd favorite that adds a ton of value, maybe not a face of the franchise, but a, a, an identity with the Detroit Pistons in the city of Detroit. Yeah. So, so I, I feel comfortable saying Isaiah Stewart because there is no face of the franchise, but he can be someone who sort of represents the city within the franchise. And so the going to work Pistons kind of had that too, where every player was equally a part of, the face or equally a face of what the city represented, what the team represented, you know, the best starting five, maybe you could probably argue for it to this day um, when they had four all-stars except Tayshawn and that, that maybe this is, that's where we're trending towards is, is a team that doesn't have a superstar, but yet uh, plays like a team and, and, and his blue collar going to work, just like the going to work Pistons. That's the way it's when it's been successful. That's the way it's been done. Here, here, at least. And so, 
All right. I guess we just don't have many faces of, of the city, Jake. That's what this exercise has shown us. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Um, but what we do have faces are, uh, no, I'm just kidding. The Michigan State of Sports, another one in the books, Tony. Um, snow's coming down. That's what cutting edge landscaping is for. Um, busy, busy week ahead for both of us. I know uh, after this drops, you're going to be hitting the, the newsroom. I'm going to be hitting the road for a little a little Northwood SPSU basketball, the rivalry on on the hardwood, and then and then we'll be back at it, trying to continue with the the two episodes per week. Yep, we're certainly going to be back later this week, and hoping to have a guest. We're working out the details of that as we speak. But uh, but Jake, thanks for doing this. Always glad to be joined by you, man. Thank you, Tony, and thank you all of our listeners. Always a pleasure. Until we meet next time, have a wonderful evening. Peace out.